0: Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa.
1: So in today's episode, ladies, we have Karen Eber, and she's talking all about storytelling, which she has an expertise in. You might be asking, why are we talking about storytelling on an investing podcast? But it is essential to know how to storytell, to enroll new investors, to partner with people, to build trust and connect with all types of people on your journey
2: of investing. And that's what we get into today. And there is a recipe. Karen is going to go over the step-by-step on how can you do it efficiently and also in a way that works for you. Organic is always good right so she shares very deeply how you can do it in a way that it feels authentic to yourself so you're not repeating the same stories and also why you should prepare how you can be efficient by being prepared when presenting a
3: story TurboTax experts make all your moves count, filing with 100% accuracy and getting your max refund guaranteed. So, whether you started a podcast, side-hustled your way to some extra income, flipped a house, or finally bought your first rental property, your moves made a big difference in your life last year. Now it's time to make the most of your moves. Switch to TurboTax and make your moves count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live.
2: Welcome back, ladies. This is Liz, and this is Andressa. Welcome back to the
1: Real Estate Invest Her Show, where every week we have the pleasure of interviewing some amazing women who are bringing either investing, business, or self care topics to your ears, <laughs> and we dive deep into these topics. Right, Andressa, it and we're is. all about empowering women to live a financially free and balanced life. So, Karen, Eva, thank you so much for uh, being on our show. Thank you for spending time with us here today. I'm so happy to be here. It's going to be so fun. Absolutely. Love the topic. And we're going to get into storytelling in a moment. You're probably like, why are we talking about storytelling on an investing podcast? But we're going to go there in a second. And we always like to do right, Andressa, connect with all of you wonderful women and men who listen to our show. Um, Just sharing a very quick tip that could be applicable for you in your life and what's coming up for you. So Andressa, what is happening? How are we doing? What's coming up for you?
2: Well, you know, this past week, I went to the, I think, second, what's called parent-teacher meeting. Okay. However, this was very different, right? And I'm glad- It was always freaked re- me
1: out, it was always I always feel like I'm going to the principal's office, and they're going to tell me all these things about my kids that are, are just like, what? So that you're was, brave. You're brave.
2: Oh, no, this was very, very different. First of okay. all, they said the child will be presenting.
1: Oh, I'm yeah. Kidding. So the okay.
2: the the teacher. It's a Montessori. So the teacher meets with the parents and the child at the same time, individual, oh. not together, and they go through this process, right? So I'm glad we're we're talking about this because if my child in the future asks, I say, "Can you watch that <laughs> episode that I explained? <laughs> what <laughs> happened there?" So so we got there, right? And you ask my child, like, "Okay, what we're we gonna talk about?" He's like, "I don't know." <laughs> <laughs> he had no idea what was it and then she put it to him this like chart in the front was about math and different topics science math language different things and there was this chart where he evaluated himself and in the back was all about behaviors and different things and he evaluated himself my child is six years old, naive as a you know a little ant outside that can be you know he was able to explain to me why he picked a couple of things and why he didn't, and it made total sense right There's one of them that was like, "I follow school rules, and there was like a hundred percent agree with it sometimes, and he's like no." Wow! (laughs) No, he does not. And I was like, I'm curious, you know, curious to hear about that. It's like, well, I need to kind of understand. I'm not just gonna do it. So at first, I say no, but then it makes sense. Then I'll go with it. Right? (laughs) That's my child. (laughs) Definitely my child. The point that I'm saying this, all of you guys, is that in any moment, the teacher told me or told him how he was. And there was a conversation about like, sometimes he was very hard on himself on certain areas. And she's like, I think you are doing a great job. You are working on it. And that's what really matters. And he, she will say, I, I totally agree with you over here and things like that. The, the reason why I'm saying this to you, this is the first time that, that I see an evaluation done by a child, not by somebody else. And I think that we women, we, the women, <laughs> we grew up by hearing others telling us how success looks like, right? When we go to conferences and we see the person in a suit telling us what success looks like and those are the criteria that you need to achieve, that's kind of like my blowing because I can't relate to that at all. Right. And I I had a hard time with that. So I'm glad my child is growing up, setting up his own expectations and what success looks like. And 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 for me, it doesn't really matter also, right? What others might think. What do I consider success and how I'm going to live there? And that's exactly what we wanted to present to all the attendees that are going to join us, the investor con on June 23rd and 24th in North Carolina. The concept is that you're not going to see people on stage telling you what success looks like and telling you, you must follow that. It won't be a lecture. It's going to be an interaction. It got to be transformational. So there's a lot of participation. There's a lot of soul searching, sharing with others and coming to a possibility that didn't exist before. You're going to create what works for you. And you're going to determine what success looks like. So I truly invite you to, to join us. Click the link below on the show, show notes or go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com slash Investor Con. You can see all the amazing keynotes and speakers that are coming. And this is going to be a transformation experience, farther from a traditional real estate conference, and you truly can miss this. This is going to be transformational, mark my words. Love it, and think about
1: what your son went through too, in terms of transformation. That's really neat, you know. That's really, really neat, and I think more schools need to do that <laughs> approach. And join us, ladies. We are we are getting pumped. We are getting excited. We have so much in store for you. So join us in June, absolutely. Karen, thank you again uh, for for being here. And again, we always like to kind of kick things off. We know your 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 expertise, what you love talking about is storytelling, and why I, why we love this topic, and why Jess and I really wanted to to have you here too is what a powerful topic right because we're all storytelling when we're enrolling investors when we're enrolling bankers when we're enrolling partners when enrolling a team so uh, excited to to have you on today and for 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 kind of kicking things off how did you get into this this expertise how did how, i should say how did this expertise find you as as people like to say so let's start there
0: sure i was born with brown eyes that turned to two different colors When I was about four years old. So one turned brown, one turned green. And it became this thing that anytime I was in conversation with someone, they would stop mid-sentence and I could tell immediately what was happening. And their eyes would go back and forth between my eyes. And I would like brace myself for what was coming, which was some combination of, did you know you have two different color eyes? And I would always be like, no, oh my gosh. (laughs) No, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I but what happened is this thing that I loved about myself became a really uncomfortable experience for me because I went from being a person in a conversation to a thing and people would call their friends over and I felt like I was the sideshow in the circus, even at like ages four and five, this happened. And after enough years of this, I got really annoyed. And one day I told this story just to change things up. And I said that when I was four, I had brown eyes. I was born with brown eyes and that I was in my room coloring and looked at the box of crayons, the one where you have the peeled ones and the perfect ones and the you know cigar box of them just thrown in there. And I picked up a green crayon and I sniffed it and it smelled pretty good. And I took a bite and it tasted pretty good. So I ate all the green crayons in the box and the next day I woke up and my left eye was green. Mm -hmm. And then I stop. And in that moment, I get facial expressions like both of you ladies have, which is like, is she serious or not? Like, what is she doing? And for me, this was fabulous because I went from being the sideshow in the circus to Oh, this is completely different. And then I would, of course, admit, no, I did not eat the crayons. Crayola wants me to make that very clear. I did not eat the crayons. They did not change my eyes. But it completely changed the energy and the interaction. And I found that from a really young age. And so I realized you can use story to shift the energy, to connect with people. Because what happened is then we would have a different conversation. And people would remember. I have people that knew me from elementary school that you know, many decades later say to me, I still think of you when I see crayon. So it started with that. And then as I've worked through the corporate world, I am in the role of leadership development and shaping culture. And I work in companies before I opened my own company and and even now where many people have the ability to say no, but so few people have the ability to say yes. And the way you get people to be open to an idea, to shift thinking, to inform, influence, inspire is through story, so I built on it.
2: I love this because we are in an era where there's podcasts, there's so much, so many channels where there's videos and opportunities for people to tell a story. You know, some of them, you gotta tell a story in a minute, 45 seconds, or even shorter, shorter than that. And people are so creative. Right. And uh, for the real estate investors, the women that are listening to us, I think when 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 storytelling comes to my mind, I always think about networking events where you are meeting people, basically, everybody, it's, quote unquote, kind of doing the same thing. So how can you engage and and tell something different? Because, hi, my name is so and so. What do you do? Well, I'm an investor. That ends the story right there. Okay, what do I, so I, I guess, yeah, we are, we are both in this conference. Yeah, that's why we're here. So what would you recommend, Karen? And I think that that might be a challenge, um, a bigger challenge for introverts, right? To create that. So how can we start an interaction as you did that kind of spark? that next you kind of like put the ball for people to kick and spark that conversation. Yeah. So one of the things I love to do in
0: storytelling is look at what's happening in the brain when you listen to stories versus information. So your typical introduction at a conference where everyone has the same background, everyone's there for the same reason. The introductions are generic and you don't really remember unless someone is wearing something really unique or they say something really interesting. And what's happening in that moment is our brains are our our number one goal is to survive the day. Our brains want us to do the same thing the exact same way, because when that happens, it can conserve calories which means that I can save those calories in case there's an emergency or something dangerous happening. And a really good story or a really interesting introduction is going to capture attention because it's going to make the brain spend calories. It's going to not allow it to make an assumption. It's going to force it to say, oh, that's not what I was expecting. So in the story you told about you going to this parent-teacher conference for your son, I took notes as you were telling this because there were so many great little things that you said that Someone doing an introduction could be doing the exact same thing. You were saying that you talked about how your son's normal reaction of "What do you? What is this about? What are you going to talk about?" Oh, I don't know. Yeah, perfect. How many people can relate to that, right? You said my my child is naive as an ant outside. So good, specific details comparing to what people know are going to be memorable. When you talked about the conference and you said that this is going to be a person on a suit telling you what to do, you could even take that a step further, a person in a gray pinstripe suit, right? Mm. Specific details are going to force the brain to spend calories. So when you're doing an introduction, sometimes getting into the, the problems you help solve or the higher aspiration of what you're hoping to do can be really memorable, Mm. Um, but working in a specific detail is what's going to make someone say, oh, that's interesting. Tell me more. So for me, on the badge, mine often says CEO and chief storyteller. And I always get, well, it's a chief storyteller. Tell me more. And then we go from there. So it could even be something as descriptive like that. I love that. I'm curious about the details. It's
1: making me think about senses. I've always heard it's really important to include the five senses. Is that true? I mean, in in terms, because then I think like the smell, the visual, the you know, all the different. Is that or I don't? Know, did I get the wrong advice? Yes.
0: No, not the wrong advice. Absolutely correct. So if I could very briefly take you through the science, because it it helps yes. you hack the art of storytelling, which sounds crazy but is really true. So I talk about there are five factory settings in your brain. And the first is that your brain is lazy, which we talked about. It's going to want to hoard calories.
2: <laughs> that is so also, true, though. I keep imagining right? like this this caveman, like that's no. it. Yeah. I just want to do that. And once the lion comes, then I run. So right. other than that, I'll preserve energy. <laughs>
0: right. also why though you want to binge a show you've seen before because you get to react, relax, (laughs) and conserve calories and it feels good. But while it's also trying to conserve calories, the other thing that your brain is always doing is it's in the future's business. It is always trying to make predictions and that's for survival. Everything is simple as like how predicting how you need to set your foot down when you're walking to predicting if you're in danger. And so each prediction it makes, it gets stimulus back through your senses of, is this correct? So those two things are really important. Third is that you've got this library of files in your brain. And that is that through your senses, you are taking in 34 gigabytes of information every day. And so at an unconscious level, it's being processed and it is going into these files of, is this a brand new file we need to create because we've never experienced this before? Does this go into an existing file? Is this related to a file that we know? So that's where the comments like naive is an ant outside works so well because you're engaging that library of files and you're helping pay attention to that. And then the last two are that we love in and out groups. So in groups are where we feel like we belong. And from a survival standpoint, it made sense. It's easier to have food, shelter, protection, all that when you belong to a group of people because there's more around to do that. Um, An outgroup is where you don't feel like you belong. And an outgroup doesn't have to be negative. I think charities do this all the time where they are telling the story of Uh, A terrible situation and you feel empathy towards it, but you realize I am not in that situation, but you still get a connection. So in and out groups are important in the brain. And then the last one is that our brain loves to seek pleasure and avoid pain. Pleasure are things that we want to do more of, and pain is to minimize danger. So all of these are happening throughout the day. Most of the time, we're not even aware of them. The saving calories, the assumptions, the library of files, in and out groups, and the seeking pleasure, avoiding pain. And so the reason all of that is important in storytelling is that stories are going to harness and navigate those. So when you tell a story that engages the senses, the brain actually lights up in the listener as though you were the person doing the activity. So if I say to you, I shook this man's hand and he had leathery hands, your brain lights up as though you are shaking this person's hand and you're feeling it. Or if I talk about walking in the rain and the raindrops are splattering against my cheeks and I could smell the the rain on the grass, Mm. that then lights up those places. And so the more you engage the senses, the more you are getting more real estate taken up in the brain of activity, um, which the more connection you get, the more oxytocin that's released in the brain, which is that feel-good chemical that you know we love to get, the more oxytocin that is released, the more empathy and trust in the listener. So just that act of telling a story makes me feel more connected to you and it actually does increase trust in the experiments that have been run.
2: Big backing on the details, right? I understand that that assessing all the the senses will paint a very specific picture. Do you also see as a trap? Because sometimes these stories are so damn long that I'm like, where are we going with this whole thing? So no detail, not good. But too much is also not good. So what is the recipe for delivering and how do we know? that, okay, this makes sense. Or when people ask a question, let's say, oh, tell me how you got started. Well, in 1992, when I was in first grade or whatever, so, no, okay, can we skip all of that, like get to the point? So is there a recipe that we can kind of like follow and say, okay, we are hitting those marks?
0: There is. There's There's a couple. Uh, so I actually never start with the emotions or the details. It's the most fun place. That's where the story comes to life and it becomes memorable. I actually start with the audience because any story should be impacting your audience and helping them know, think, do, feel something. Right, That's the purpose of communication. And so most often where stories go wrong is they haven't taken the audience into account and they're just telling the story that I want to tell and not the story you need to hear, which is what everyone's relative at the holiday dinner table does. They just <laughs> hold court and tell their story.
2: Thanksgiving.
0: Um, yeah. So once you get the audience and you think through what is it that I want them to know, think, do, feel different. At the end of this, you can then start to build out the framework for the story. And that is as simple as once you think about the idea for your story, writing four sentences. The first sentence is, what is the context for the story? So you're going to write out one sentence that describes the context, which is going to be, what's happening and why do I as the listener care? The second sentence is, what is the conflict? Where is that moment where something happens in the story and everything changes? The third is the outcome. What happens as a result of the conflict? And the fourth, the one that everybody skips, is the takeaway, which is, what is it that I want people to come away knowing and understanding? So the story you opened with is so good because your takeaway was about, how do I define success? How do I consider success? And how do I get more of that at the upcoming conference? Those four things, when you write out four sentences like that, you immediately take this rambling story and get a structure to it. Now, this is a skeleton. It's not the story you're going to tell. You're going to need to add to it. But if you do this, which can be done very quickly, you then can take it and start to add different pieces to it and start to think, okay, how do I bring in specific details and build in the story? How do I engage the senses? And then you can do what I like to call make everything earn its place. You go through your story and think, does this add an important detail that's meaningful does it move the story forward or if it's cut does it not hurt anything so this sounds like a lot but it's really a methodical step that like in 10 15 minutes you could build out a compelling story and have it be tighter and more focused i love that i
1: love that on a lot of different levels because my my mind immediately goes to all the people that you know the women listening are are influencing and that we're influencing so if you think about homeowners you know, that's a that's a story in and of itself that you can kind of build out because you're gonna be going back if you're especially if you're finding deals and meeting with 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 homeowners, um, sellers on any level, right? Could be a seller or an owner that's a mom and pop that's owned a building or a multi for multi-family for a long time. So you have your story or your couple stories for for that. And then like your lenders. Right. You know, someone you're influencing to lend you money, whether it's a private money lender or, you know, whether it's a bank who's like, who are these people? You know, why should we work with them? So, you know, ladies listening, I think, you know, what's really neat here is you can build out some, you know, it's almost like plays in the, in the playbook, if you will, that you have some standard and you have to obviously, you know, not use the same one all the time. But you want to get good at probably sharing this and succinctly. So to do that, it's almost like a play, just like if you're on a sports team
0: so i, I just wanted I would to reiterate add to that, though. Yeah, yeah please I would please add, if you're like let's use the homeowner example right yeah. so if you're going to be telling a story to a homeowner the story is often the higher aspiration So why are people getting into a home for a better life, for starting a new phase of life, for downsizing, for whatever? So the stories often aren't the face value, but that higher level aspiration that you can connect to. And that's the thing to think about when you're looking at the ideas of a story is going to connect someone to that idea and that feeling of, I want that that's exactly what I am feeling and going through, and where to connect to. It's not just the size of the home or the features. It's really the what is the life you are buying into.
2: And it's really, I, I, yeah. yeah.
1: Sorry, no, Jessica. Go.
2: No, I was just going to say that's exactly it because is the feeling, right? Is not the kitchen, but how the kitchen makes me feel. Not the kitchen. Kitchen is a bad example for me because I don't care about kitchen at all. <laughs> but, like, okay, the backyard how the backyard makes me feel or what people care about, right? If if I'm reading this very cool book, it's called Selling Without Pitching, something like that. I'll give more specifics on the show notes about that, but it says you cannot fulfill a need if you really don't know what that need is, right? So if people care about backyards tailored to that, if they care about different things, the house itself is a product. We're not selling houses. We're not buying houses, but you, we can totally sell homes and buy homes to people. And I think that's like a really big, big shift. As investors, we tend to really put the emotion right aside, but we are also dealing with sellers that are selling homes and, and we Here's have buyers that are buying homes and not, not, so we need to reconnect with that emotion.
0: To use your kitchen example, though, you might not like a kitchen in a functional sense, but it might be really important to you because over holidays, all your family gathers in there, right? There's different ways to then connect the story to what's going to be meaningful. And so while you do want to be able to tell an organic story that feels true to, to each individual, there's a little bit of a formula to it of what people want might differ, but how you go about getting there could could. You know i might tell the same story about a dining room to someone that would be meaningful for a kitchen that's totally true
2: that's Mm -hmm. that you make a very good connect that will totally relate to me i don't care about the kitchen itself but i just open up a big wall between the kitchen and the dining room because i want to receive people i want to have people over and i want to be able to connect with everybody's connecting everybody's interacting so that makes total sense for me. It's like, okay, this is an open concept here in, in the gathering is, is like open, right? So yeah. I totally agree with you. It's just changing the angle based on what the person cares about. Yeah, and sometimes
1: we know that and sometimes we don't. So it's like, you know, sale, sales 101 is, you know, uh, the, the question asking at the beginning. Um, you know, we work with a lot of investors. We look, work with a lot of people who invest with us. So to assume that everyone just wants to make more money that's investing with us would be, you know, naive of us, right? Because of course people want to make money, right? That's pretty obvious. What kind of money they want to make? How quickly do they want to make it? Are they looking for, you know, you know, just steady retirement money? Are they looking to replace their job? Two different things. So before the I, I'm just talking this through, but before the p- power of like your plays, like your stories, I think as as influencers, we need to ask, you know, really good questions and it's always good to you know help me understand share with me tell me because we assume the we we assume a homeowner just wants to sell their house as quickly as possible yes and there might be other things there that we just don't we shouldn't assume and i think we all do that do that and it's hard right because we're doing a lot we're trying to get a lot done so people don't even ask any questions they just you know they just like oh i know the audience and i'll just share the story and then the person's like okay that's great i don't really care about that you know so i just reiterate let's let's make sure we're asking the questions and the ones that are deeper you know share share with me or help me understand versus you know would you like to make more money <laughs> The question's going to be yes, obviously, you know. <laughs> so, you know, I'm I'm curious just as a as a segue, you know, when when you have the power of storytelling down, and uh, you're really able to use it as a as a as a you know, like I said, tool in your toolbox, you know, when you're doing that and you're and you're using these stories. What are some things that women need to be aware of, like length or, you know, other things that can come up, like challenges around, you know, using the the art of storytelling, if you will, as they start to, you know, get their process down and they really start to use this a little bit better. What are some things they just need to be aware of that mistakes
0: they can make or just, you know, challenges they could have with with this? Sure. The question of length always comes up and there's this fear that I don't have time to tell a story. And I counter that. Look at comedians There are some comedians that tell a 15-minute story and you are sitting at the edge of your seat following. It's not the length, it's how you tell it. So first is that if you are telling a story and you haven't bothered to learn anything about the audience, it is a chance to lose your audience. Because if you're telling a story that's not relevant to me, I'm going to feel like you don't understand me at all. That just doesn't apply. I will disengage and maybe lose trust So that taking those few moments to ask those questions, just like you described, Liz, and and over time, I think you'll figure out what questions are that are going to figure out what is really important to those people that tap into that higher level aspiration. So stories that land wrong are often they haven't factored in the audience or it's a story I love and I want to tell, but you could care less about (laughs) storytelling is not about the storyteller. That's for when you're out with friends when you're using stories to try to connect with someone, the way you're going to connect and form that bridge is when it's about the other person. And that doesn't mean that it has, the other person has to be hero or anything like that. It just means you've thought through who they are and what's important for them to know. Second is that the stories that go off the rails are ones that have not taken the few moments to do that four part story structure. And there's so many different story structures. You may have heard of the hero's journey or all these other things. There's there's many people that say, here are the six type of stories you have to tell. I don't believe in that. I feel like that if you sit down with one of those and you can't figure out how your story fits, it's too overwhelming, which is why I use the the four part. like Take your idea, build the skeleton, and then add on the pieces. And then just take a moment and step back and ask yourself, are these details actually moving the story forward and connecting to where people want. There is one that is kind of interesting that you don't realize until you get there. And it is if you are trying to not share something, sometimes that comes out in the story. So a lot of the work I do is um, with CEOs and it's confidential and I can't reveal who it's with. So when I'm using stories from the experience because it's about a theme, if I'm not careful and I haven't put the right time into it, I will be trying so hard not to reveal something that I end up shortchanging other parts of the story. And the way you fix this is recognizing you cannot create and edit at the same time. So you want to give your stories a chance to breathe. And a chance to breathe means you just want to be able to walk away from them for a little bit you know, the ideal is that you have at least a day to work on some different stories that you can use, but you can work on it in the moment, but you just want to recognize that you have to step back and change your mindset and come back and look at it and think like, am I really building the idea that I want for my audience?
2: You mentioned the the comedians and I watch a lot of stand up comedians and I don't know if I'm like weirdo with this of course i am laughing and having fun but i am looking at how did they structure the delivery and how it ties up i love when they come back to that little detail and then kind of like closes everything i was like that was so smart that was so smart of you to kind of like close the loop however it sounds like they're just spitting out words, right? Even the interaction with the audience, it's like, oh, that was very like not planned or the certain jokes out of the cup. They, sh- they look and they, it sounds like that it was, you know, winging it. But I think the, the people that really master storytelling, that is the goal. The goal is to that people can, can look at you and say, oh my gosh, that sounds so freaking natural. Dude, I can't believe you just like, wing it that way. So you are so so prepared in the sense that it's so natural when it comes out and you take people into this roller coaster right ups and downs and turns and then they get there with you and they're like, oh my gosh what just ha- what, what just happened right I think that I have a hard time when when people are telling a, a challenging story but then you think about the roller coaster and and it's all the way down. And the audience is still de- down and everybody's down. And then I was like, oh, my gosh, how do we get out of this? Right. Tell me what happened after how you overcome this or what's what's the takeaway? Because sometimes the stories that I hear, it ends there. And I was like, oh, now we have this down energy. And the audience is left there. It's like, OK, what, what, what do I do with that information? And every time that I think about this negative moment, I'm going to think about you and feel sorry about b- about you, because I don't know, like, okay, how? tell me, like, wh- what do I need to get out of this? And I don't know if that is the intention many times to, to people to get emotion so they can feel it. But to me, I feel that the need to wrap up, right, as the comedians, they, they kind of like connect, they tell the reason why I'm telling this deep, dark, horrible, whatever story but let me connect the dots. I feel I have a hard time when I can not connect the dots in my head, if that makes sense. It does. So a couple of things are happening
0: when you're hearing a comedian do that. The roller coaster you're describing, they are building and releasing tension. So if we go back to the the five things that I mentioned your brain is doing, the building and releasing tension is making your brain spend calories and it stops it from being able to make assumptions. Because in your brain, you're thinking like, oh, I didn't see them going there. That That's unexpected. And comedians do this in a way that storytellers can too. Sometimes it is ordering the plot in a way so that it unfolds unexpectedly. Or it is putting in specific phrases and details that are very specific that are unexpected. The order you tell the story impacts how you build and release tension. And you mentioned where when they end on a down note, it feels uncomfortable. And that goes to that feeling of we like to seek pleasure and avoid pain and discomfort. Because when we feel that, that's not enjoyable. And avoiding pain doesn't have to be avoiding a lion running at you because that doesn't happen today. It could just be this idea. So you can play with the order of your story. And and this is what I mean when I say that you can't create and edit at the same time. The more space you can have between coming up with the idea and then coming back to it to edit it and think, how can I really get the brain to spend calories and be delightfully surprised? um, You need a little bit of space because what might make sense if you don't want to end on a down note is to start right at that point of conflict, start at the negative thing, and then go back. There's so many different ways you can order and structure a story, different perspectives you can tell the story from. And it takes a little bit of experimenting to see what creates that feeling that I want people to have.
1: So in terms of like, I think about different personalities hearing this, and some I know some women are listening to this going, I'm not a good storyteller. I've never been a good storyteller. I don't know if I'll ever be a good storyteller. But I think after today, we're talking a lot about why do you want to tell stories? To connect, to build trust, to differentiate yourself. Like Those are really very powerful pieces in our business and quite honestly, influencing anyone for any reason. So we all can agree that storytelling is very powerful and we need to do it more. So what do we say to the women listening? And I know you're you're out there. I don't know your faces, but I can hear your, your mind chatter happening right now. I'm not a good storyteller. Is this like a skill, would you say, that Karen women can harness? Or are some people just
0: better storytellers? You absolutely can learn this.
3: The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting, from finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest stay. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing or two about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation homeowning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with a reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com backslash pockets. That's vacasa.com backslash pockets. Hey there, fellow libation lovers. Let's talk about something that's sure to tickle your taste buds. Total Wine & More. Are you ready to embark on a journey through the aisles of endless possibilities? Total Wine & More is your one-stop shop for all things wine, whiskey, and everything in between. From the smoothest Cabernets to the boldest Bourbons, they've got it all. And the best part? Their team of friendly guides is here to help you navigate through the maze of choices. Need a recommendation? They've got you covered. But wait, it gets even better. Total Wine & More offers convenient curbside pickup and delivery, so you can stock up on your favorites without ever leaving your car or home. So what are you waiting for? Dive into the world of Total Wine & More today and discover your next favorite libation. Visit TotalWine.com to learn more. That's TotalWine.com. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. Be 21.
2: Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber. To improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com.
0: The reason I find people say I'm not a good storyteller is they think that it is like perfect stories are born into the world just perfect. And they're not. They are not. Good storytellers become good storytellers because they work at it. And so I feel like I am on a, a mission to rid the world of boring meanings because I want people to learn you can embrace this skill. I think another reason why people don't use it is they don't know where to find ideas for stories. They're afraid that maybe they don't want to tell a personal story or they don't know an idea that's going to be good enough. And at the very end of my TED Talk, I used a closing sentence on purpose, which was, don't wait for the perfect story. Take your stories and make them perfect," because. You are going to create perfect stories. You are gonna become a storyteller by working the process. You can find ideas for stories all around you. Listen to the different interactions you have with, even on social media, you can go and see what are people talking about at the conference? What are people talking about? You can um, listen to clients and customers, to sellers, to people, and hear what are the things they're talking about because there's endless stories there. There's stories from your own experiences. There are stories from podcasts. You don't have to tell a story yourself, but every story is personal and that you are bringing your perspective to it. You are bringing your connection to it. And so once you start to learn, okay, once I find my audience and come up with these ideas for stories, I can work the process and I can become a great storyteller. As long as you've got the awareness to try to be thoughtful about the story you're telling and making sure that it is indeed helping your your listener and not just like that uncle at the holiday table telling the story they want to tell then you can do this absolutely
2: so karen i'm also picturing a lot of women communicating with me right now you know and they here's what they're saying well i don't want to be put in a box i mean i know my story and i can spill it out right quote unquote they know their story. Why they should rehearse that? Because then it sounds rehearsed. It sounds like um, constrained and strict. And we are creative minds. We want to be free, and and we we feel that this is more genuine instead of sitting down and really working that through. Talk to me. What what are the risks, or impacts, or or, or, or negative results? when that happened feeling like you sound too rehearsed with the process when people don't when people don't don't prepare and they just want to wing it because in their head it's a clear message so they don't think that there's a need for preparation go on social media
0: today go to any (laughs) reel if you like tiktok go to tiktok there's some terrible storytellers out there and they're like story time let me drone on without any structure Preparing doesn't make you rehearsed. Preparing helps organize it in your brain so you can share it so that it is received in an organized way. Like the point of this process is you are trying to package this in a way that it is entering the listener's brain and immediately understood and and harnessed. And so that is worth the time. When you don't prepare, when you don't tell an effective story, people forget at least 50% of what you say within an hour.
2: So it's an hour, better,
0: an hour, an hour. It's better to spend 10, 15, 20 minutes to work on what might be more memorable than to just go in and wing it. And my guidance is never to just have a story that you tell over and over and over. Unless you're a famous comedian, everyone wants to hear that story. Um like a rock star everyone wants to hear that song. You should work take a story and work it through the process so you feel comfortable with it. But you don't want to just be telling that same story over and over. What you want to be able to do is start to to notice, well, I tend to be in these types of circumstances. I have stories that do these types of things. And so that will help you build a toolkit of stories.
1: That's really amazing. I I love the idea that winging it is only serving your own needs. You're actually serving the audience's needs much more effectively by, by being organized. And it's actually being well more well received, which, which is very powerful. In terms of data, you know, we we're, we're, especially in our business, d- you know, d- depending on who the audience is, data becomes really important, statistics or sharing different things, especially when investors and uh, lenders how do you incorporate stories in, in, with data? You know, Cause I, I think it's like either you share data or you share a story. So how have you seen the blend of the two?
0: I, I'd be curious to hear that a little bit. I'm so glad you asked. Cause there's this, I think myth that data are fact and stories aren't. Data are good and stories are bad. So what really happens when someone's listening to data? Think about when you have listened to someone describe something, you are really thinking, do I trust this person? Do I trust this data? Do I trust this source? And when people start to protest that, I encourage them to think about, like, pick any topic that is very controversial, vaccines, right? Do you pro-vaccine, anti-vaccine? Whenever you listen to someone that is on the opposite side of what you believe and they start sharing data, you're like, you are delusional. Your data source is invalid, fake news. I don't care. Like, it doesn't matter what side it is. And the version of that happens in business, too. So the faster we embrace that data aren't fact and stories are are fiction, I think that can help recognize that anytime you are sharing data, people are doing that. The other challenge with data is so often people come with all of the data and they don't walk people through it. And they will say, I'm not gonna walk you through this, but, and then remember, we're not gonna remember 50% of this. So immediately people are scanning and picking up different things And because of that library of files, the 34 gigabytes that we are interpreting, we're each going to have our own interpretation if we're not discussing and coming to the same starting point. So I always encourage people to tell a story with data. When you have data, there's a reason why you're communicating it, just like there's a reason you're telling a story. There is maybe a decision or um, you're tracking information over time or it's going to inform something. And so you want to be thoughtful about what is it, what is the purpose of sharing this data? What do you want your audience to know, think, or do with it? And then you want to use a story to guide people to whatever that purpose is. Because what the story is going to do is bring everyone to a common understanding and starting point, even if there's disagreement, Mm -hmm. versus when everyone is just scanning data, coming up with their own interpretation of it, and then it turns into this argument about the source and all of that. And so... The conversation isn't about the data, it's debating the source. And so there's this quote that I love that is rich data leads, um, sorry, simple data leads to rich conversations. Meaning when I clearly understand the data, we can have a really rich conversation about what it means and what do we want to do and considerations. But when I can't see that about the data, all the conversation is about debating and contesting it. So it's not an either or, it is an and. It's walking through a similar process, starting first with what are you trying to do with the data? How do you connect people to that with a story? Because surprise, neuroscience tells us we make decisions through our emotions, actually not through fact. Most of that's happening at a subconscious level. Um, you get to a faster starting point for conversation.
1: Right. There's a lot to do. I have like so many ideas, Karen. <laughs> no, this is great. I, I think it's it, it's it's really it's it's perfect for everyone. And it's, it's, I love that you said it's a skill and I think someone, people can harness it, you know, and, and work on it. The introverts, the extroverts, the people who don't like to be, the people who like to wing it, the people who are over-organized, it's, it's all applicable. So it's
0: really, really good stuff. Sorry to interrupt you. I want to say one thing on the introverts, because a lot of introverts say, oh my gosh, I can't tell stories. Introverts are great storytellers because... 70% of storytelling is done individually before you actually tell the story. And that might be probably the difference between introverts and extroverts. Extroverts tend to want to work on the story real time, whereas introverts want to prepare. But just because you're an introvert doesn't mean that you are not a good storyteller. That actually prepares you well to walk through the process and feel equipped with your story.
2: Go, introverts. Yes. (laughs) Well, and they're
1: also my one of my passions is talking about introverts and extroverts, but they're also more concise, right? So they'll tell a really powerful story with less words <laughs> than an extrovert. And sometimes an extrovert can go on and on. I have no idea of those kinds of people, but supposedly that's that's what I understand as of extroverts. Well, being I usually
2: say two words. Done, good, go ahead. Unless <laughs> 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 at, at least like give you an explanation. I was like good to go. <laughs> right. I
1: think, I think, I think everyone that's been on our journey for the last four <laughs> years of listening to our podcast could probably tell right where I we know. are on that, on that continuum. Know. Good stuff. Uh, Karen, where can uh, the ladies listening learn more about you and, and follow you along your journey?
0: My website's the best place. It is my name, K-A-R-E-N-E-B-E-R.com.
2: Awesome. All this information you guys can find on our show notes, now we're going to transition to our fabulous three questions. The first one, Karen, is what's the most transformational book you ever read? There's a book called
0: No Hard Feelings by Liz Fosslian and Molly West Duffy, which if you are On LinkedIn, um, you'll see these drawings by Liz Fosslian that everyone shares all the time. She like somehow perfectly captures the zeitgeist of work and life. But it's about how you embrace emotions at work and how we are emotive beings. And that should be incorporated and not avoided. I love that.
2: The second question is, uh, what's the most powerful routine that you do to live a financially free and balanced life, whatever balance means to you?
0: It is sleep. I think my number one priority that I am vigilant is to get sleep every day. So I am adamant about shutting down screens at a certain time and having the same bedtime and all of that because I've had a journey where sleep didn't come easily
2: and it just makes all the difference. So yeah, sleep. Yes, amen to that. The last question is, which woman, famous or not, has inspired you the most?
0: Okay. Right? I think Ruth Bader Ginsburg was one pretty cool woman. I cannot imagine being like the only person or one of the very few women in law school. And then at the time, her husband took ill. And so she was not only finishing her degree, but helping him with his and just being one of the first women in in so many situations. But I also love that she just didn't care what other people thought. She was doing what she thought was right in the world and shut out all the noise of everything else. And that is such a great lesson. Love her.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We need to all do that more, right? <laughs> Shut out the noise. Karen, thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you for sharing all your great tips. Hopefully, this, this episode has inspired everyone to hone in on their storytelling. I know it has for both of us. So, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Karen.
2: If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com.